Checkmates. When it feels like you can't win, check in with a mate. Well, hello. Welcome back to Checkmates podcast. I am joined by Jesse and Gus, two of my very good friends. Um, and today we are going to talk about the topic of grief. This is our emotion we're going to focus around today. Um, these two uh, wonderful boys, friends of mine, have been doing a lot of change in that area of mental health. Um, and they've founded their own charity change making organization called Shout Out. So I'll let you two introduce yourself. Um, Gus, do you want to go first? Yeah, hello. So I'm, I'm Gus. I'm currently a, a student at the University of Nottingham. And as Leah said, yeah, I am. I co-founded Shout Out with Jesse. Um, and the sort of aim behind it is we're just trying to bring awareness to child bereavement and see what change we can make um, in different areas um, of society to, to sort of make people more aware of the issue. Yeah, so hi, I'm Jesse, as Gus has already said, um, co-founded Shout Out. I'm currently on a gap year with the intention of studying medicine this year, but I think we started Shout Out to kind of use our personal experiences to improve and raise awareness of the topic around grief and bereavement in children. So, yeah. Well, welcome. This is very exciting. You two have been um, two guests that I've definitely wanted on here. So I will be honest and say that we have kind of gone through a rough plan when I do these podcasts. I like to kind of give people a bit of warning as to what they're going to talk about. But this question I never ask people beforehand, and that is to give me a word or a feeling or a place that you associate with the word grief. Like the first thing that comes to your head, what do you think about? For me, the first word that comes to my head is lonely. Like isolation, lonely. That's just the first one that pops into my head. That's fair. No, that's completely fair. And I guess that explains your whole journey with Shout Out as well. So it makes sense. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Quick fire. And I think you said, you mentioned a place. For yeah. Me, I think of like the top of a mountain, like because it's just so overwhelming and, you know, you experience so many emotions. I think, you know, when people reach the top of a mountain, it's like, it's crazy. It's a crazy experience. I think with grief as well it's there's so much happening at once it's really hard to process a lot so I describe it as you know being by yourself at like the top of you know a mountain in a way you've had that hard road how I describe it that hard climb up but there's still you have still have to climb down it <laughs> exactly exactly yeah. just like you said just as you said yeah yeah so grief um Unfortunately, everyone will experience grief at some point in their life to a certain extent. Um, and and that's, uh, I mean, it's, it's still such a taboo topic, yet it's so common. I mean, everyone will lose someone, a pet, something in their life that they will grieve. So do you remember the first time in your life that you remember grieving or you remember really missing something? Just that feeling of like having to work through your emotions to get over it. All right. So I think with me, the first time I actually do remember grieving was when I was in primary school. Um, there were these two students, one was in my year, and one was in the year above. I think they were called Regina and Rose. And 
they actually left our school, I think, two years before we all left school. And it actually appeared on the news, local news, that she was murdered by her father. Um, it was a wild story. And she was, you know, she's quite a, you know, such a good person in our school. She was friends with everyone. We were so close to her. But then she was suddenly, you know, you don't get people leaving primary school like that. is isn't, isn't a, you know, it's quite rare for something like that to happen. So we were quite surprised, but we weren't really given a reason as to why she left. And we didn't, you know, not a lot of people have mobile phones, so we couldn't keep in contact with her. She just left. And I remember we were told this news by one of our teachers in our class that she actually sadly passed away. And it came up on all the newspapers. It's a crazy story. Her father, I think, you know, set, set her children on fire or some you know it was it was just honestly I couldn't I can't even speak about it but yeah. I remember when we were told the news it was it was a big shock to all of us and I think this was the first time a lot of children were processing grief for the first time I think for me I saw a lot of people crying and I just you know I started to cry myself yeah. and at some point I didn't even know why I was crying I didn't I hadn't seen this girl in a long time but it was still a big story and I just remember crying that, that day going back home mm. you know my mum was asking me are you all right what's going on and I told her I just started crying and I was just like how could you know I was so young at the time I couldn't even understand what was going on it was just you know it was a crazy experience for me do you remember and, how old how old you were what year that was in oof, I think I was eight around eight years old so I was young yeah I was pretty young but yeah it was it was as I said crazy I think that word crazy. and you feel the school after that conversation where they told you what happened did you feel like you had any mm -hmm. kind of support or did they follow it up did they talk to you about it afterwards mm, so I think when the news was actually broken to us we stopped lessons for that week. We just stopped doing lessons. And we actually took time to kind of mourn for her in a way. Yeah. I remember we had we had like an assembly where we all lit candles for her. And it was, you know, they actually took time and considered our feelings. They knew what we were going through. I think, again, we didn't have any lessons. We used to do loads of fun things as well to kind of, you know, help us get back into that school setting in a way. So I thought they were really helpful in primary school. I think they were very helpful. Good. I think with that age group, I mean, you have to be. Like, as you said, you were too young to fully understand the concept of it. And then reading something like that in a newspaper is really traumatic. Yeah, honestly. Yeah. As you said, traumatic. It was a very traumatic experience. But, yeah. Yeah. And Gav, yeah. do you remember your first time? So I think that the first time that I sort of got a sort of small like introduction as to what grief might be and I sort of understood it slightly was when when my dad passed away when I was six I think although I was really young at the time and I don't really think I understood it properly I remember sort of being upset by it and I remember small little moments afterwards where now looking back it was grieving um even though at the time I probably didn't realise it and I didn't understand it. Um, but then I think at uh, sort of different points during my sort of like childhood, I remember like losing pets 
I remember when I was living at Chile at the time and our dog died and I remember grieving over that. I remember being so hurt and upset. I didn't go to school the next day, stuff like that. But I think that it was so weird for me because when you're so young, it's just something that you can't really come to terms with. Like your, your mind is so like innocent and you don't really understand it. And so I think I definitely did grieve. And I, the first time I do remember grieving was probably over my dad, but mm. um, it was it was just sort of something that at the time I didn't really get. But now I can understand that I did sort of show emotion. I did sort of take time to sort of recover from it. I think it's that balance of you not fully understanding what's going on, but also not fully being explained because people almost yeah. they have to protect you. And so they don't give you all the information, but mm. it's like you can't get closure over something until you know the full story. Yeah. But parts aren't being, it's not a two-way street. I think, I think I was quite lucky in that. I think my mom was brilliant about it. And I think that she, she, she told us how it was. She, she was honest. And, but I think sort of adding on to that, I think the bit that is just like the hardest thing to come to terms with is that you're never actually going to see them again. Yeah. And I think when you're young, that is such a hard concept to like understand that it's not a sort of a temporary thing. It's actually like forever. And I don't know, maybe maybe that's what I didn't understand when I was young. But I think now I definitely do remember showing signs of grief back then. And so you mentioned your dad. I think uh, I mean, I think it's safe to say that that was probably the most significant grieving process you've been through how how have you found that do you feel that that's something you've you've kind of done is it are you still on that path I mean that's a very difficult question to ask but an answer yeah I mean it was it was quite it was quite a journey um because as I said I was young and I don't think that I fully acknowledged it mm. when I was younger I think because of the sort of the nature of the life that we were living there and because my dad my dad's death was quite a big thing in the area we were in and so he was the headmaster of my school and so everyone sort of knew about it I think I was very shut off about it I didn't really like speaking I sort of felt like I was the, the odd one out and so I really didn't acknowledge it yeah. until I think I started growing up and probably in, I, I would say I really started to like like let it sink in when I was in sort of my last few years at school mm. but I don't think that was by choice I think it sort of just built up for so long that it needed to come out um but I don't know I think I remember I just sort of I never really fully took took on the grieving process all in one I kind of sort of chipped away didn't really fully um understand it and I didn't really fully take time off to really think about it but I definitely remember when it sort of all started to come out and it is that's what's scary about grief I think is that it can sort of hit whenever there's you're not safe at any point it's just something that's always there I think also the the nature of um, your dad passing away was unexpected there was no kind of lead up yeah. to it and so for a long period of time after something like that you're in a huge amount of shock and you can't process anything when you're in shock and you kind of don't really believe it and you're too young to understand it. That, that is also a really significant period of time where 
as you say, you don't necessarily feel like you're grieving, but you're almost coming out of that stage of shock. Yeah, it's, it's so much disbelief. Like you, you sort of picture all these scenarios in your head where it's, it's not true and in actual fact, you're just going to turn up again. And I guess, I guess that is, as you said, one thing to do with like the shock, the shock of it happening because we didn't know. But yeah, I think that's it's definitely a factor because you sort of have to fully understand that it has happened and that it's not something that's re reversible. And I guess once you sort of get over that initial shock, that's when you can start actually thinking about it. Yeah. And Jesse, your um, probably most significant period of grief was obviously much more recent than Gus's. Do you feel that because it came at a time in your life when you were older and you were maybe more in touch with your emotions that you're at almost a similar period of the grieving process as Gus? Or do you think that that's just, you have, you, you have to take your time with these things? Um, so I think it's really hard to actually answer that because I think with grief and that whole process you can't really quantify the length of how long it lasts for I mean it's always people might say yeah I'm done I've gotten over it but really it's you know it stays with you forever it will stay with you forever and I think with me I think I actually took time to get in touch with it early so actually acknowledge what's happened and take time remember all those memories and actually think about what's happened instead of you know shut it out and you know focus on school I actually took time out to actually you know talk about it to other people see a counsellor talk about it to the counsellor and get in touch with my feelings and you know anniversaries as well I'd you know kind of celebrate and acknowledge you know her birthday etc and I think that was really important it really helped me to get to where I was to where I am now because I feel like if I shut it out in the beginning I you know I'd probably be in a worse position. I'd be in a really bad position right now. So, yeah, I don't think it can, that whole process can end. I think I'm in a much better position now yeah. than uh, I'm in a very good position, but I, I haven't gotten over it. You know, I'm still thinking about it regularly and it is, it is recent as well. So you don't, you do have those days where you just think, you know, that person isn't with me. Yeah. And you do have, you know, those days where you just realise you, you're in touch with reality again and you realise that, oh, Lord, like this person isn't with me anymore. This person who's been with me for this, this much of my life is just not there. Yeah. And I probably I will never see them again. So, yeah. yeah. And, and this was your mum passing away two years ago? Oh, yeah. Just over? Yeah, so... So my mum passed away when I was 17 and she died of lung cancer. So yeah, she had, she had cancer. Um, so since I was in year seven, she was diagnosed with breast cancer. Right. She managed to beat breast cancer, mm -hmm. but developed another cancer, lung cancer. Yeah. And it, it just got worse and worse, you know, over my, it was, it was kind of like her whole cancer journey was my time at school, was my entire time at school. Yeah. So you, know, you get times where she's good but you get times where it just got worse and I didn't actually get you know I didn't get time to see her much because obviously I was at boarding school mm. I think whereas my sister was at a day school in London she was with her most of the time so I didn't really understand the you know the length of how bad it was it was until I came back from my one of my school holidays 
um, I came home and my mum was just, you know, she's usually a trooper, she's usually a fighter, you know, you see her doing loads of work, you know, cooking and, you know, just doing daily things, daily mum things. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember get, going home and seeing her just sleeping. And I remember she slept every day for the whole day. It, it sounds crazy, but she was genuinely asleep for the whole day, you know. And I remember a whole summer, she was just sleeping and sleeping. And I was thinking, this, this isn't right. Like, this isn't normal. So I went online, as you do, and they say you shouldn't search up your symptoms. But I just, I went online and I was like, sleeping all day. I just typed in sleeping all day. And upon the list that came up, um, it was actually end of life stages, Cancer Research UK. And that's when I realised, like, this is bad. And my mum was that kind of person who would hide it from me in a way because she wanted me to, you know, yeah. be all right at school and everything. She wanted me to be strong for her because, again, as she's a single parent, she was a single parent. Mm -hmm. I was like the only guy in the house. She wanted me to kind of hold it down <laughs> while she was, you know, fighting her own battle. So, yeah, I remember just typing that in and I realised, mm -hmm. like, gosh, this is bad. So I remember talking to the school and saying, look, I need to start going home regularly because I didn't realize it was that bad. Mm. She'd be in and out of hospital before, but you know, it was got to a point where it was quite serious. So, yeah. Well, I can, I mean, I can relate. My mom had breast cancer um, two, three years ago now and she went through chemotherapy mm. and it was, and it was a long process and as lucky as I am that she was still alive there were certainly points along the way where I didn't think I would be able to say that and I think it's an interesting one as much as you can never compare grief you can never you know put numbers on it as you said did you find that having a kind of period of time leading up to it that you felt you were able to almost start the grieving process early maybe you felt that you were able to sort of tie the knot a little bit and say what you wanted to say and, and have a goodbye? Yeah, so I've actually got a story. Um, I remember I was having, I think, you know, the Depp's dinner yep. at school. So the dinner where, you know, you invite a day over and you have a meal. I remember that <laughs> night, you know, my mum got me a suit for that day while she was on in the hospital bed. And she wanted to get me a suit that's how much of a fighter she was so I remember she said you know go go to that dinner go and have that dinner but I remember my teachers and tutors saying no Jesse stay in the hospital you don't want to miss an event that big because you'll never forgive yourself and you know I just took my mom's opinion and just went you know she got me the suit so I wanted to wear it for her and I remember after the depths dinner finished I went to my room and I got a call from the hospital yeah. and the hospital like your mum's passed away and I was like no surely not there's no way yeah. and they were like yeah she's she's passed away but then I got another call saying they got it wrong she hasn't passed away and this was from yeah I know so here I was you know bawling my eyes out and they've called me again and saying no it's fine it was honestly, I, I don't even know how that how that's happened. Yeah. But they said she had a fever and it just got really bad mm. and they thought they lost her, but apparently they didn't. 
But again, when a person is, you know, in their end of life stages that they're holding on yeah. and it's their, you know, they have the choice to let go or not. So when they're still alive, it's them, you know, really grabbing on. Yeah. And I remember thinking, right, I'm not doing this anymore. I need to go home and I'm staying home. Mm. And I remember going home and that day I came home, I just sat with her for an hour and all her sisters were there. So my aunts, they were all there, you know, looking after her, making sure she was okay. Um, a palliative care nurse came and actually just checked up on her because when people are in their end of life stages, they always do checkups, et cetera, make them feel comfortable. Um, I remember the palliative care nurse came and then left and my aunts left because I just came home. They wanted me and my sister to just be alone with her. Yeah. As soon as my aunts left, she find she passed away. So right in front of me and my sister, she you know finally let go. So it was quite a big thing. It was it was really big, but you know when a, again when she was there in my house, it was actually it happened in my home. Right. I was talking to her and you know telling her everything. You know I was just emptied, pouring my heart out. And it was so sad, like it really hurt me because she couldn't say anything back, but she could hear it. What made me feel better was that she could hear everything, but it was just, it hurt me so much that she couldn't say anything. But I'm glad that I was there for that final bit because I think if I I missed it again, it would make my whole grieving process so much harder. So, yeah. And you mentioned your sister there, and Gus, I know you have two brothers. I'm sure as a as a sort of group of siblings, you guys have it's brought you closer together in a lot of ways. Do you feel that it's do you do you feel that? Do you feel that you've had a pressure to kind of keep up with them or or to to look after them? I know Jesse, you're the eldest. Gus, you're in the middle. Um, can you share some of your experiences of that? Um, I'll just go quickly. Mine is quite short. My sister is, um, you know, everyone's different. Everyone processes grief in a different way. And my sister is, I guess, one of those people who I think shut it out. I think she did shut it out. And I do try and encourage her to, you know, just try and try and think of something. But as I said, everyone's different. You know, everyone does things differently. So my sister just, you know, lives life normally. Mm. And you know, sometimes she does talk about it. She does like to talk about it, but yeah, everyone is different. And unfortunately, some people just process things in different ways and you, you just have to leave them. And I think your sister being younger as well, it's come like obviously a different stage of her life. And Gus, you mentioned that mm. you being younger, it, it meant that there was more feelings of kind of shock and having to actually fully understand the process of death as well as your personal process with grief so um that's that's an interesting one but yeah Gus you you were younger do you feel that your do you feel that your brothers were there to support you and do you feel that you were there to support them yeah that's a it's a really good question and I think it's something that like you just kind of you don't really think about Mm -hmm. but I think with like siblings and stuff like you're obviously well it depends on the, the relationship I think but I'm personally quite close and very close to my siblings and you kind of like remember all the times they're annoying and they do this and that but I think it's good to sometimes actually like appreciate what they've done and I think the journey that like we've been through to like as a family like through it all 
it was quite crazy and I do generally consider myself so lucky to have two close brothers um I think at the time I kind of went a bit off the rail I pushed them away I pushed my whole family away I was sort of quite a determined child and I said I was going to do it my way and not really not really you know get involved with them but I think that I definitely look up to my two brothers and how they dealt with it and how they're doing now. Um, I think that they were both very sort of in touch with their emotions about it. And they, I remember them being quite openly uh, sort of emotional about the situation. Mm. And I do definitely admire that. And I think what's kind of nice for me is that because obviously I lost my dad and that was sort of like the father figure in the house, all of that, I think it was, it was, good for me to have an older brother because his name's Will and he's he's been brilliant and I remember from the day everything sort of happened uh, he just stepped up in the house and he's like the person that I kind of view as as my, my dad like he's the person who what he does I want to do like he's always been the person I talk to and I'd hope that that's how my little brother describes me you never know but I hope that I'm there for him like, like my older brother was. But no, I, I do think that, I, I, I obviously I can't say whether it, it, our relationship would have been different, but I definitely think that we, we were very lucky to have each other. And I think nowadays, especially that we're older, we definitely do appreciate it a lot more because mm. I think we've grown up and we, we don't argue as much and we don't you know disagree over all this stuff. And I think... I'm lucky to have two best friends and as brothers and I, I look forward to, you know, whenever I see them. And I think that, especially I know there's lots of families out there which aren't that close. And I generally don't think I probably could have been in like this situation. I couldn't be as, you know, talking about grief so openly and all of this, if I didn't have that sort of support platform at home. Um, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm very lucky to have good relationships with them and and you can see that I mean I've I know you personally obviously and I've seen you with your brothers and you can feel that real connection over something and it's interesting because checkmates is obviously all about connecting people together who have been through a similar process and my goodness you can never find someone more similar than family members who have been through exactly the same thing and and it's interesting that you both said that you as although you both had the same thing happened to you you all took it in slightly different ways and everyone went about it in their own ways and and I think it's interesting to to navigate that and to also see that people in different situations have different coping mechanisms and people in the same situation also have different coping mechanisms um but Jesse you mentioned that you um went through therapy was that something that you opted into were you doing that before how did that come about because I think I mean I've been, done therapy for three years and it's been one of the most fantastic things but I was very skeptical about it from the from the beginning I think I think boys in general I, I don't want to make the assumption but I think boys in general are really reluctant to actually go into therapy I remember the therapist telling me that as well mm. and when I was told about this therapy a lot of people were encouraging me to you know do therapy and I remember saying no you know I can do it on my own I can think I can process everything on my own and I don't need anyone to 
guide me or talk to me about it. And, you know, clearly I just got worse. I got worse and worse. And I remember my first year going, um, going back to school. So I remember when my mum passed away, I left school for a bit, for quite a bit of time. But then I remember coming back the next year for my final year of school. Um, everything just started to get worse. I wasn't sleeping. You know, I was, I just wasn't, I just gave up in a way. I just felt like life was, you know, I, didn't, I had no purpose. I was just there and I didn't have to do anything. And I just remember coming laid back and just not doing anything, not caring about anything. I just didn't care. I just thought I'll do it my way and that's how it's going to work. And I could see, like, I could see myself and this wasn't me. I was just getting worse. I wasn't talking. I wasn't opening up. I don't want to talk anyone. And I remember a teacher saying, Jesse, would you, you know, would you be down for this? And I just said, yes. I just gave in. I said, yes. And it's, it just changed my life completely. I was so, everything just got better for me after therapy. Yeah. And yeah, I don't regret, I don't regret it. It just helped, helped my situation so much. Allow me to talk about my feelings. Yeah, made everything better. Made definitely made everything better. And this was um, like speech therapy, talking therapy. I don't know what the professional name is, but this yeah. was just a kind of conversation. This wasn't um, or any kind of behavioral therapy. Mm. Yeah. So this was just conversation. Mm. Yeah. And do you feel that your conversations with um, your therapist that you wouldn't be able to have with friends? Um, I, I sort of viewed my therapist as like another friend in a way. Yeah. So I felt like I could talk to them about anything, absolutely anything. Anything that I talked to my friend about, I could talk to a therapist about because she kind of created that safe space for me. You know, every time I went in, she always asked, how can I make this situation comfortable for you? What would you like? Would you like a cup of tea? And yeah, it just felt like a normal conversation. But then when I left, I just felt so, I felt like a weight was lifted off my shoulders. I felt like, wow, this was actually really helpful. And yeah. that was after my first session and it just, it got better and better after more sessions. Mm. But it just, yeah, it just improved my whole situation. I started sleeping again yeah. and I started focusing in school. I, you know, I lit up as well because I remember being so down, walking around school, so moody, and I just felt better, like, <laughs> yeah, it was just, yeah, it was really good, it really helped me. And so you say that school and, and your teachers pushed you, well, prompted you to take that opportunity. Yeah, this yeah. This was part of the school's programme, so, um, I mean, we were all lucky to have been to a school that was so supportive of this and also had the resources on site. To give this to us mm. um Gus what prompted you to to start your journey with therapy so when I was younger I think this is actually I find it quite a funny story if I look back at it now because um I'm the least like artistic person in the world I, I have zero zero skills with drawing and all of that but right at the start and I think it was probably because I was quite young and I wasn't ready to speak but my mum used to take me to I used to do two things I used to do like this art class which was for children who had issues sort of expressing themselves and 
mm. talking about things. And I remember I just used to go there, spend two hours, and they used to do like amazing like sculptures, different types of art. And I kind of, it was kind of a way of like putting your feeling into art. And I used to do another thing where I used to um, go and speak to um, a sort of a therapist and it was less speaking, but more sort of showing how you feel. And I remember I used to do, again, sort of arty stuff of her and it was kind of different ways of expressing how I was feeling without actually saying it. Because I think it's so hard to actually say it and engage with it. Um, and so I think I'm very appreciative to have had that opportunity at like a young age but then I think as I grew up I kind of left the therapy and I was like oh I don't need it anymore but but then in my sort of last two three years at school I remember I got I think I think it was again it was my mom that asked the school whether I could be maybe seen again um, because the counsellor at school would see my or see my older brother before and they had quite a good relationship um and it was funny enough the same counselor as jesse and we actually have a really good relationship with her now um and i remember that was like the first time that i remember like speaking about it yeah. openly with with a sort of a counselor i i didn't really speak to a lot of friends and family about it it was sort of always quite sharp but i remember speaking about it properly with her and as Jesse said, I think you sort of are so scared to do it. Like you're so scared to go into therapy and you're so scared. It's, it's quite a vulnerable feeling, yeah. the way people talk about it. Like you're walking into a room and you just have to express everything to someone you've never met before. Yeah. Um, but I genuinely think that kind of at the moment I walked in there, uh, it just felt so sort of like, it felt so right. Mm-hmm. I felt like, as Jesse said, it was like speaking to a friend and, it was like speaking to someone who just listened and like listened to what you said and just gave like great feedback and you could just you could go in there and you could run the session how you wanted it you could speak you could not speak I remember some sessions I used to turn up and I just used to sit there and we used to do mindfulness mm-hmm. and different things like that and I think it was quite eye-opening for me because I remember I was always so afraid of speaking and and going to therapy but I think now looking back, it's probably one of my biggest regrets not doing it earlier. Yeah, no, I can relate to that hugely. I mean, I think for me, it was a definitely a pride thing. I was like, who is this person mm. to sit here and tell me how, how I'm feeling? And, you know, oh, da, 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 da. And it was just a pride thing. I didn't want to A, admit that I needed help and was seeking something and B, wanted to say that I was in therapy and that and that I, and opening up at the time and I always remember on I'd always have it on a Tuesday and I remember Tuesday afterwards it was the same as you Jesse I'd walk away being like oh weight lifted off my shoulders and then I remember Wednesdays I used to really struggle because I used to wake up in the morning and obviously there's a period of processing everything that's gone on in the therapy session and I used to find Wednesdays really hard because my mind was just ticking through everything and uh, while I was trying to do school or or do other things. Um, But no, it's interesting that you mentioned art therapy too. I think it's important to recognize that therapy comes in so many different ways and it's not just your typical walk in and, and speak to a person. And there is all sorts of different CBD techniques and, and everything that will help 
people come out and and be able to express themselves and let these emotions out without actually having to say how they're feeling so I think that really is the the hardest part um so you have shout out this is your new little um adventure what to tell us a bit about it what you're planning to do and I guess I mean it's from personal experience right you've been through something that you don't feel like you have had enough or the right kind of support or it is accessible as you would like it to be so take the stage <laughs> obviously last year me and Jesse were in school together and because of coronavirus it all got shut off and it was obviously national lockdown and this was quite it was quite a scary point in our life for me and Jesse because we were both quite unfortunate with how academics sort of turned out and I remember it being a really scary like process because we were just so unsure about our future as so many other people were but and I remember me and Jesse sort of used to take comfort in like speaking to each other and I think I do genuinely remember us like really opening up about him, about his mom and me, about my dad and about our experiences. And there was this one night where I, we must have been playing some sort of video game at a stupid late hour. <laughs> and we both were just talking about it. And we just said, let's do something like let's let's take this somewhere. Let's let's change. Let's change the system. Let's, we don't want anyone to be feeling how we're feeling right now um, especially if they've lost someone a loved one at a young age and I think we sort of thought about ideas we sort of talked about it a lot um, and then it wasn't until probably September October um, we, were, we were quite fortunate because I remember speaking to another one of my close in Kinnear about it and I remember when I first told him he was just so like in awe of the idea and for me and Jesse it was quite like inspirational like it kind of meant a lot that someone who wasn't really involved with child bereavement found it so sort of like heartwarming and he, he's been really good to us and he's he was the guy who sort of told us just to go for it and just to do it and he's helped us along the way and we, we took our time we sort of come up with, came up with lots of ideas it's been quite hard balancing it but we just thought that the way we were going to do it was we were just going, the one aim was to just bring awareness to it. We were just going to bring awareness to child bereavement. Um, we've discussed lots of ways in which we're going to do it. Um, and right now we're, we kind of view ourselves as change makers. So we're trying to sort of go to universities, go to schools, go to mental health training practices, hospices, everything and we're just we're just gonna trying to make them aware of the situation and aware of how they maybe didn't think about the situation before and how they overlooked it um and then with that we're also although we haven't given it our full attention yet but we're trying to really use social media um to sort of harness the community and sort of bring people together and just create a kind of like a safe space where people can sort of turn it on and be like oh maybe it's just not me going through this you know there are other people who are in exactly the same position um and we're still working we're working on the social media and different ideas 
Um, but hopefully soon we'll start getting lots of people's experiences and stories and ideas. And I think we're definitely looking forward to see where, how that turns out. I think um, I was just going to add that I actually just watched the documentary, I think that came out yesterday with Roman Kemp, who was talking about um, he actually lost his best friend to suicide last year. And the documentary is really good. You should definitely watch it if you haven't. But he really focuses in on the on male suicide and the male side of it that, I mean, bereavement isn't spoken about enough anyway let alone then to bring in a male's perspective on it and I think it's a huge credit to you that you are two men standing up and talking about something that is already hard to talk about in a world where you don't get this male representation either so um, I'm glad that you also had another male to kickstart you into doing something I mean it's like full circle all the way around but Jesse do you have anything to, to add to anything um I think Gus really said everything. I think he said everything so far. Yeah, we just want to use, you know, we, we actually spoke, we were, I remember during lockdown, we were gaming, me and Gus were gaming every night. And, you know, subconsciously, we just start talking, talking about our experiences. And suddenly we were like, why don't we make change in this situation? And just over a game, you know, a video game, we just thought, let's do this. And it took six months to get to where we are now. And it's only the beginning. But as Gus said, we aren't, you know, really focusing on, on we have created a social media, but we aren't really focusing on the social media at the moment. We're focusing on making direct change. Yeah. So we want to make a big change that is actually what we're all about. Yeah. You know, the social media just comes along with it. So we aren't really focusing on it now, but yeah, we have a lot of big things coming soon hopefully no yeah I saw your post um yesterday I think about the iceberg effect and I think that's so mm. important to recognize that these things take time and energy and I mean this isn't your sole purpose right now you're also Gus you're studying Jesse you're figuring stuff out and you're enjoying your gap year and I mean like it's, it's a lot anyway, but I think, I mean, you laugh when you say gaming, but I think that's such a key thing to pick up on the fact that actually you, you were able to have this conversation because you weren't necessarily sat in front of each other, looking into each other's eyes. You know, you had a distraction and, and Gus, you said the same thing, like creating that safe space where people can talk is so important. And I think um, connecting people together in different outlets is amazing because you it takes that pressure off of it basically where you you feel like someone's kind of testing you on things um but again to bring checkmates into it we are all about connecting people together and you two clearly have uh, an amazing friendship and bond and connection over this um topic but you were friends before i know that so how did you break that barrier first time like when this all happened Jesse when when your mum passed away this was obviously after Gus so Gus did you kind of see that how how do you how do you think it all played out well I remember I remember me and Jesse sort of got quite close around the time that everything happened with his mum and it was it was obviously awful for Jesse and it was it was hard to kind of watch from the side and it was for me, I tried my best to sort of tell Jesse that 
although it's a completely different situation, I do sort of understand how it is losing a parent and I understand the sort of emotions that come with it. And so I try my best to sort of offer, you know, tell Jesse that I'm here for him and I'll, and I'll support him through everything and I'll, I'll be there. Um, obviously, I don't know how Jesse felt at the time because it's quite a, a big thing. But um, yeah, I think we just sort of naturally as sort of time went on, just began to spoke about it, speak about it more openly. Um, I think I probably mentioned stuff to Jesse about my dad before, and so I think he knew. Yeah. But I think as sort of time went on and we sort of kept, you know, kept on speaking and it sort of slowly got over the barrier and we just were able to speak about it more openly. So for people that weren't as or aren't as lucky to have a friend live five meters down the road from them who is going through the same thing what would be your message to someone right now who is listening to this who is experiencing grief and doesn't necessarily have the the outlets that you've had to kind of round it all off what would be your message what would you say um for me, I'd say, I always stand by this, take your time, take your time. You don't have to, there isn't a time frame, as I mentioned previously, of, you know, you grieve for a, a year and then it just all goes away. It's going to be with you forever and you need to do it in bits. You need to take time and actually get in touch with your grief, get in touch with your loss. Think about those good memories. Think about all your memories with the person who you've lost and just you know take time take your time and take time to actually process what's going what's happening talk to people open up and yeah I think yeah I really stand stand with that take your time yeah because I feel like a lot there are a few people who do tend to you know right I need to do this or shut it out and yeah um so I remember that when when my everything happened with my dad, um, I remember sort of everyone has something to say and people like to speak and stuff. And one of the one phrases that kind of stuck with me and more importantly, it stuck with like my mom and she refers to it a lot is that when you lose a loved one, it's not a new chapter in a book. It's a whole new book. Like, it's a whole new story. It's a whole, it's, it's just every, everything does change. And so as Jesse rightly said, you do just have to take time. Mm. Time heals everything, but you need to just take that initial time just to let everything sink in. Um, and I think that the most important thing that I've learned is that if you bottle it all up and keep it all inside of you, all that emotion, all that anger, all the, all the sadness, it's going to come out at one point and it's not going to be nice. You know, you need to, you need to speak, I think, whether it's a friend, a counsellor, a parent, a brother, I just think you need to speak and you need to talk about it and you need to engage with it. You need to listen to what people have to say. Thank you. No, I mean, like, those are two incredible messages. And I think, although they have the same kind of undertone, they're both very personal. And I think you're right. Take your time. Do it as, as it feels natural, but, but don't feel like you have to, to address everything all at once or bottle it up all for later. 
Um, but I want to thank you both for coming on here and talking about something. I know you probably are speaking about it a lot with shout out, but that doesn't mean that these conversations are always easy. And knowing you both personally means that I have the privilege of knowing that you are two very inspirational people and you've dealt with things in incredible ways. And some sometimes I would have never known that any of this had happened. You've handled yourself with such grace. Um, so thank you for coming on here and thank you for sharing your stories. Um, and I look forward to everything that Shout Out is happening in the future. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Yeah.